hey, here I am. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, this is my first time live streaming. So you're going to bear with me, all right? And we're going to, you know, we're going to have a great, great chat today. We're going to talk about mental training, and we're going to make sure that we can answer any questions that you might have. Huh? And uh, today, my first live stream, we have my dear friend, one of my best friends, uh, Rock Santos, U.S. Olympian, 1992, and member of the U.S. national team. And uh, we're going to chat, and we're going we're gonna to really go through in-depth of things. Well, in-depth, you know, both of us were great storytellers. So, so without further delaying all this, I'm going to um, uh, get rock into the the room and oh look at look at rock rock what's up sergio man it is great to be here with you it is an honor to be here with you and your first show it's going to be awesome we're going to talk about some fun stuff fun times walk down memory memory lane and so i'm really looking forward to being with you and talking for a little bit just me and my buddy sergio talking maybe taking some questions we'll be ready to go yeah i i i think the chat should the chat should be working, you know. Hopefully, uh, but uh, you know, right now I don't see it. But uh, uh, let me see if I have to do anything. Else. But but man, first before we talk about anything, uh, I'm gonna show some pictures of you, me, uh, in the past. You know, uh, let okay. me see. I I think. Oh, look at those! Oh, that's that's now. That's like yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah, but hey. I had it ready, and now it's not working. Ah, hold on. Look at this. Here we there are. You go. Yeah. Yeah. We were like little kids. Yeah, I know. I know. Living the dream. Yeah, we're, li we're living the dream. And look at me. And yep. you. You're wearing the U.S. Olympic uh, blazer. Is that for the opening ceremony? Yeah, that's for the opening ceremonies. Yes. Yeah, uh, I didn't go to the opening ceremony. Neither so. did I. But we wore it that day. Yeah. And we looked good. So, and look at us. We look so young. We haven't changed, eh? I haven't changed. Uh, me neither. Like, yeah. but uh, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show another picture. Look at us with yeah. Mike Berman, our training partner for three and a half years. And when a lovely coach, that he looks, he, he's having a great time. Joseph Nagy, look yeah. at him. And, and here's the deal is that I wouldn't have been in that picture without the three people in that picture, so. Um, well, it, it's an honor and we're going to talk about that you know just to have joseph as a coach was a great honor and i'm still proud of it to train with mike barrowman i'm very proud of it to train with you the things we went through the mental side of the training that we did and that, that you learn from from being around these you three great people sergio there are many times i push off the wall and i'm streamlining and i have the best breaststroker in the world and the second best breaststroker in the world at all time. And I'm going, what am I doing here? And uh, I, it was, even though I was in a lot of pain, it was partly like, wow, it is well, great to be around these two unbelievable people. Mike was the best in the world. I was, I was second, third, or fifth, or whatever it was. I was never the best in the world. So, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and we could talk about that because I, I, I don't, you were, to me, you were, you guys were the best. Uh, uh, I don't know if the chat is working, but uh, look at us. This is also 1992 uh, yeah. in a bus, probably going to the pool or somewhere. Yeah, uh, going to the Olympics or maybe coming back from training or going to the Olympics before the 
race has started. You can see I, I, was, I was getting ready to get you. Yeah. And, and look, who, who's that? That's Anita Nall. She was one of my favorite uh, swimmers on the Olympic team. She's about 16 years old now. She's, you know, mother and still a great friend, but that's that's a great picture. Yeah. And uh, let me see. Hold on a moment. I don't know what I pressed. Oh, yeah. Uh, and let me. Uh, no, it's, uh, nothing. Man, the last picture that I wanted to show is not showing up. So sorry, I'm gonna open it again. But um, but hey, uh, today we want to talk about uh, about mental training. That I think it's a very important thing. And um, you know, you and me, we went through a lot of things. Oh, look, that's the last picture that I wanted to show. Thirty years later, thirty-two years later, yeah, we look the same. Pretty much, my nose is bigger. Yeah, you look, you, you look real good. Oh, thanks. Yes. Thanks a lot. But it, we'll take this out and then we can, we can start talking about right. what, what we, we're here to talk. And I think I think the important thing is about the mental training. And maybe you can start because I asked you to be here and uh, and I know we talked so much about um, about what we went through. Yeah. So first first of all, I think it's it's like, you know, in training, there's all the different things. There's training, there's dry land, there's stroke technique. But the part that's not really focused on, that's not really talked about, is the mental side. And you've heard a lot of in, in other sports and, and stuff where the mental side, that's the difference between good and great. And I think for me, that that really paid, played a pivotal role in, in my swimming and just in watching swimming and now being a fan and watching people. My favorite part, Sergio, is not necessarily the race. It's before the race. It's going to the pool, seeing how the athletes talk, what they say, how they walk, how they present themselves, what they, you know, all those little things make a huge difference. And, and I think it, it all comes down to the number one thing I think is really to know yourself and know who you are and be aware of the outside things that come in at you. And then how do you react to that? Sure. Like this is the picture. The race before the race. Yeah, so I was at just like you were. I was at the, that game. I actually took that photo, and my my the hairs stood up. So that's Michael Phelps and and Kavik getting ready to swim the the famous hundred fly final, and in the background is Ian Crocker, right where they they touched it at the. But to me, this was the best part of the race. They stood there, Sergio. If you remember, it seemed like hours staring at each other. Yeah. And this to me, like, and, and nobody was backing down. No one was going to blink. And it well, was, to me, the most incredible moment before a race that I've ever seen. And, and, and the other thing here, too, is that uh, we were not, I wish I would have been a fly on the wall in the ready room because that would have been unbelievable. Used to watch, you know, normally in these type of competitions, if you guys don't know, uh, you have to go 20 minutes before the race and sit in a way in, in, in the ready room and then move on to another room. So for like 15, 20 minutes, you are with your competition, like staring at one another, playing games, moving, jumping, doing whatever you think is going to psych the other person out. So for at least, what, 20, 25 minutes before the race, these two guys and Ian Crocker and the rest in the race, in, in, in that final, they had to be <laughs> playing some interesting moves. What do you think? 
Yeah, I do. And so that's where, like, to me, having a plan as an athlete, you, you know, that, that you need to know yourself, what your plan is, but then also be aware of what your competition does. And I think all that plays into your race plan. So it's not just you dive in the water, you do your race plan, you touch. It's like, no, it, it goes beyond that. And then it goes, you know, to the day of the competition, many days before the competition, and then weeks and months and years before. And every race leading up to it, I think, as an athlete, you, you need to learn from that and study your opponents and know what they're going to do and then know how to react. Yeah. Well, you got you have a great point with that. And, and what we want to talk be, be, besides the race, because, you know, I, I like that part. You know, I remember, well, I still teach it, you know, to a lot, but I remember a balls with some of the guys like Ryan Murphy and all those guys who go to competitions and you try to teach them the way they look people at you, the way they talk to you, the way they talk a year before when they saw you at the pool, and then the way they talk now because they think that now you're a threat. And all those moments are such a it's it's part of the mental training, you know. And as, as coaches, not because you were a good swimmer, you're gonna become a good coach, but I think we have an advantage if we were able to be good swimmer in, in those situations because we understand body movement, eyes, the, the way they look somebody looks at you the way they say something you know and and it's very important to to understand all those cues don't you think yeah i'd say let's let's talk about that like you know to me let's start back at the comes back to the training in the in the practice and for me right i walk on the pool deck with mike berriman who's the american record holder at the time and sergio lopez and and so before i walked into that and i want to talk about it because to me it was your first experience with me right so i am a, 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 a sophomore at cal I uh, go to NC2As, you know, I shave my head. I'm all excited. I'm a big, strong guy. Don't make the finals again at NC2As. But I see this guy from Indiana, to me, that swims a beautiful race, right? That's my interpretation of what I saw, right? And then so afterwards, I saw you. So I went up to you and I said, Sergio, great swim. That's what I really felt. That was from my heart. Sure. I'm a stranger, complete stranger. This is what I felt. But how did you feel? What did what reaction did you have to what I said? Well, uh, what happened is that um, first I didn't understand yards. You know, I was 169 pounds. You were probably 200 pounds. You know, not not I don't know how heavy, but you were a strong guy. I was very skinny, uh, no power. You know, came from training long course, and I was very frustrated because uh, I've been tapering for a long time and I didn't understand that. You know, uh, in Spain, we trained for one year and we tapered for one meet. And here we tapered for the Big Ten and then we tapered for the NCAs. And it was very hard for me with no muscle, never lifted weights. I got to NC2As and I remember I got third at NC2As as a freshman. And and I lost the race because I couldn't turn. You know, every time I catch uh, the guys, Kirk Stackle and, and Miller from Wyoming, every time I catch them at the wall, they did a pullout and they were three meters ahead of me. You know, and I, I, I think I got third by a few tenths of a second. So I was kind of upset, you know, yeah. Uh, because you know you, you like to win, and a lot of people, like my swimmers, even my family, when I'm upset, I, I don't. My face really shows that I don't like to have friends. <laughs> you would say that too, you know. Yeah. So probably I wasn't very nice to you just by looking at you. You know, I don't remember what I said. But I remember later on when you came on, on the pool deck and I was we were training in Washington, D.C., and you walk on the pool deck. I'm like, uh, that's the guy that told me whatever he told me 
in in, in, in the locker room. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, so to me, I, I think that's an important thing that I learned through the process was that when somebody tells you something, right, good or bad, you know, and, and to me, it was that, that's how I felt. It was a positive thing towards you. You took it because you felt differently about how you swam. You, you, you took it like, who is this guy? He doesn't know anything. He's crazy. I, I don't feel good. And you're right. On the pool deck, that's another great thing. Even at practice, you can tell by someone, right? If, if I have my towel over my head and I'm sitting there and I'm concentrating, getting ready for my race, you don't come up and bug that person. If I'm sitting there dancing and, and walking and singing, that's the time to talk to somebody. Right. And so, right. Those are cues that we take from people. And it's the same when you go to a practice, you can tell if someone's having a good practice, but right. And, and I think those are important things to be aware of as a swimmer and as a coach. Right. Sure. But you, you remember that we had some great bottles in the water and you and me, we didn't have many bottles outside of the water, but with Mike and with Joseph and not, not, not in a bad way, you know, I think, uh, I would go through the same process again, and uh, we, we agreed that we we got to where we got because we were there all together, you know. But um, I mean, how, do you, feel, how yeah. do you feel at the beginning when when you were the outsider in a way, trying to climb up, and we were just making things impossible for you? Well, I, I think the great thing was right. Like I I was at Cal. I was with Matt Biondi in 1988, the greatest swimmer on the planet. Right. And I could train with Matt, but I, I, you know, I couldn't train with him because I wasn't a freestyler, but I did breaststroke. And then I, you know, went to trials and saw Mike Berriman, you know, break the American record in, in, uh, in, in 1988. And then we have a bunch of friends that were on the Curlberg Swim Club. Right. So I had, you know, Mark Henderson, T.A. DeBias. These are guys that swam at Cal that were from this team. And so my good, my great, our great friend, Mark Henderson goes, you know, why don't you go try to train with Joseph? I, you know, I know Rick Crowley get it. You know, so I got the number, said it was okay. So I said, yeah, I'll try it. I want to see how good I can be. Right. So I, I got there and I just got, I got killed. Right. Like, and a lot of people that came Sergio, they, they got killed and they were never the same. Sure. And anybody who's trained with Joseph knows that like, it's not just the physical part. It's the mental part of we're going to do it again. It's, you know, my favorite sets, right. Maybe favorite, right. Eight fifties on a minute. 29.3 or it doesn't count right and joseph was the type of coach that he didn't let you off right oh, here, yeah. here it is but the amazing thing sergio whatever level he, he pushed us to we always did it yeah well i, I think he was very smart at uh, at knowing the day that you could do it or not and he was able to push you to break that wall and that's how we became that good you know Many times you just push and push as a coach without understanding that today, maybe you have to walk away and just let the kid be, you know? Um, but I, I, my memory, right, and it was you know, a long time ago, was that every time he said, this is what we're going to do, even though maybe I didn't do it, but we're going to do it eight times or whatever it was, I did it. And so that, that in my brain, that helped out my mental training to go, I'm doing it. I remember one time getting out of the water, walking over to Rick Kroll going, I just did this in practice. I just pushed off. And with flip turns, did under two minutes in the 200 breaststroke. And my best time was like 157 high. And I just did like, so that type of stuff, when you do that in practice and you get those wow. times, and Joseph was great at it, right? He didn't, you know, if he said not so bad, that was like winning oh. the medal. 
Well, he said, like, he never told me that I did a good job until I retired a few years later. Said, you know, now that I don't coach you guys, I have to tell you that, yeah, you did a good job. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go. That's the coach where there's other coaches out there. They'll say, oh, you did great. You were awesome. And the athlete's sitting there in their their head going, "Uh, no, I didn't. I did bad. Yeah, well, God God forbid. Right? Nowadays, to my college kids, I don't tell them every once in a while that they're doing a great job because I might lose my job. <laughs> yeah, but Joseph, what I loved about Joseph, right, he told the truth. Yeah. Right? He, he didn't, he'd say not so bad, but, but when he told that to me, it was like another coach saying, wow, you are awesome today, right? Because whatever his level is, I understood him, right? And sometimes he would go, no, we're doing it again. And I'd go, but, you know, <laughs> I guess you left early, right? One of the key things some people would do sometimes, they leave, but, He's like, well, you know, they left early. You got to go. And they say, ready, it was time to go, right? How yeah, many we, we didn't leave early. We, we knew how to know when he's, he's going to tell us to go. So we, were, we moved, and our feet wouldn't, wouldn't get off the wall until he said, go, you know? Yeah. You're kind of a slow learner. <laughs> yeah, and so these are the, those are the tricks, right? If you're ready and going on the top, and my yeah. daughter has the same problem. She goes, oh, there's a girl that goes, you know, on the 57, and mm-hmm. you're supposed to go on the top. I'm like, but if the coach is timing you like Joseph was, he's going to go off the first person, so you're slow. Yeah. So, so those were the those are the moments where you're learning. Like, okay, ready, go. The other, and, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to tell the story of the eight fifties, right? Because it'd be the end of practice. We did a carnival festival, right? And I can't tell you how many times. And this is where the, the mental side would come in, where where Joseph would say twenty nine point three or slower doesn't count, and sometimes. Maybe somebody would go, oh, oh, I no, we can't, can't do that. No, 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 we can't. No, that somebody wasn't me. Yeah, and it wasn't me, except one time. Uh-huh. One time I go, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what's been done to me. And well, this is where you learn I, yourself and you, and you learn, right? And so I go, so I did it. I did my best, you know, Oscar-winning performance. I can't, I can't do it. But the whole time, Sergio, in my brain, I'm saying, I'm just getting ready. I'm getting ready to go. And just like Mike would do, that first one, boom, I went after it. And I won. And I was like 28-3, maybe that that fast, 28-7, right? And then I'm like, it worked, right? It worked. And so this is like, A year and a half or or so to, to, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a while. It took a while, yes. You know, we, we talk about uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk is about how words matter, body language, what you do, you say to people. And you remember, like, I think Mike was a master of, of that. And I think I was pretty good at it, too. You know, we, we, whenever you, when you came to train with us, that you were an outsider, even though you and me were living together. That was pretty good. You know? Yeah. And uh, so that's how we became such good friends, too. But... Um, I didn't like when you were playing uh, Mario Bros all all day long until two in the morning. But um, but um, but I remember, you know, we'll be like uh, doing some car set, and we get to the wall. I wouldn't be breathing hard. Mike would be like, <sighs> and we'll be like, kind of beating you, and uh, not in a bad way. I'm sorry, I don't want to say anything, no, no. but kind of beating you, and then you were lost, thinking, what's going on. What's happening with this guy? And and it was all a game. It was all a game of like, yes, how we can defeat one another. Uh, because at the end of the day, that's that's it. Uh, when you get to the big big race, 
is is not who is fitter and who has done the smarter practices. Well, the, physiologically, is who has the best mind. Yeah. So there, um, I want to go and, uh, and talk about. So I went. So I went back to Cal and trained, and I trained with this guy who was a younger kid, great up and coming swimmer at the time, Ur Tanner, and Ur was a great freestyler, right? One of the best. As an age group, I think he had the record or, you know, age group record in 50 free, 100 free. And, and but Ur was a little naive. So I remember swimming with him, Sergio. And in the gutter at Cal, I remember I beat him in a freestyle set and I'd yell at him. I'd challenge him. I'd go, Ur, you, I beat you. You're da 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 da. Right? So what did that do to Ur? I knew exactly what it would do to Ur. The next one, Ur killed me. Right? Uh-huh. Then I knew, like, I'm helping him. So as an athlete in the water, you can challenge the people, right? And we didn't do that with, with Joseph because we were getting beat and killed all the time. And then, you know, so what happened? Uwer cuts through the wall, beats me. He screams back at me. And I scream back at him like, you're supposed to beat me. You're the freestyler, right? So to me, these are the ways that as, an, as, a, as a swimmer and maybe as a coach, we, you can be challenged and you're really trying to lift people up and get them better. And I think this was one of the key things that I took back from doing that, right? When you when you challenge that person and they and you know, like I love Ur, like he knew, but I was being a, I was being a little bit of a jerk because I wanted to challenge him. I wanted to push that button to get a result, and I got it right. And I love that. And so to me, I learned that being around you, being around Mike, all the little things that would happen, it was really interesting, right? And, and you know, the hard part with us is that we were a very small group. We train really intensely for five, six hours a day, and we were like three of us in a pool, sometimes four, you know? Yeah. It, it was really hard and demanding, you know? And, and um, Joseph was timing us. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Joseph timing us, sometimes throwing the stopwatch, or sometimes throwing yeah. the stopwatch at us, throwing things because he didn't like the way we talk. Uh, but but it was, it, I, think, I, th- I think it was very demanding, you know, and very, it, it's not a thing, for example, I want to call it healthy, you know. I I don't want to say you know, they, but you know, I know for example in my college team I couldn't I couldn't have that. We have a lot of that to a way, and and I'm excited that people push one another, but also they're working as a team. And like you said, they were doing a call, you know. Yeah. So that to me, that's like that. That's where that's the biggest takeaway. You can take it and go, hey, because guess what happens, Sergio? When you challenge the Ur Tanner. I got to go fast too, right? I'm also challenging myself and that changes my body, my brain, right? And then then that those are the things, a lot of swimmers, oh, I'm just a relay swimmer. I do great on relays and, because it's your head. So if you can find little things you can do in practice to learn how to, how to develop that and use that when you need it, and then you can go, right? I, and I think those are key things that, that we learn. And, and th- think about this. Ole Tanner, when he got to college, he was already an Olympian. He he went to the Olympics at the age of seventeen. Yeah, you know, yeah. He was he he he. Honestly, I got I had the privilege to coach him for one year. He's one of the most talented swimmers that I've ever had. And and you were trying to teach him how to be tough. Yes. Yeah. So so that, I think that's a very important thing. I think nowadays, you know, we have to be careful because uh, you know, uh, and I and also many coaches uh, make the try to make the, the swimmers tough by pushing them over the edge, you know? Um, yeah, and the, and the things that, like, so, right, I grew up, I played other sports, right? I played football, I played basketball. All of my football coaches were mean, military type of guys, 
right? And they were tough and they were not nice. And they would, the words that came out of their mouth, you can't say that stuff anymore. Maybe you can't, I don't know. A football not, 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 you, can't, you can't say that, right? But Ron Ballator, he was a great coach. I loved being around the guy. He couldn't, he never coached me. I went to one or two practices to a brother that, that or went to UCLA, but he also, there are things that came out of his mouth. He can't get away with that now. So as a coach, you have to say things differently, I think. And, and I know I coach my girls basketball. So when they're in first and second grade, you can't say things. You, you got to say it nicely, right? You got to know how to manipulate your words to kind of get what you want out of them without making them cry and go in the corner and say, I hate you. You're a horrible coach, right? Like, because ultimately all the coaches, right? If you're a coach, you love those swimmers. You want them to be good. You want them to improve. And sure. you're, and each person's different, right? You've got to find those little buttons to, to push them, right? And, and learning from Joseph and you and Mike, it was awesome, right? Um, what's a great story? So one of my great stories that I have is, um, I'd love to share again is, uh, you know, I, I love that, that one day where I did the things. Mike Berriman had a set. And I'm going to ask you what he, a, a, a race that he would do in practice that was his race. It was his baby. Never lost it. Do you know what that was? Do you remember? This is a quiz because maybe you don't remember. Uh, uh, 400, 400, four up, something like that. 400, four up, four down. But he also, he also was very sneaky, sneaky. And uh, we, we, it took us a long time to understand how to go 400, four up. Yes. That's pretty complicated. Uh, because you have to tell the story too. Yeah. So basically, what right? So when I do it, you you, you start swimming, you go four up, and then you go four down, and we're doing a flip turn, and all of a sudden, you, you so you're down, and then you have to do a flip turn, then you have to do a pull out down. But Mike did it differently. He was smart. He would pull out, do two strokes down. No, what? Two strokes up, two strokes up, four strokes down, two strokes up, and then did a flip turn. And if you did it that way, you can make it through. Am I correct? Uh huh. And, and you don't. No one was telling us how to do it that way. Oh no! We're, and, yeah. we, and if we missed, if we flipped the wall, uh, we did four on, on top, and we flip, and now we have to go a pull out and four underwater strokes yeah. as fast as you can. By the time you get to you come up, you're almost at the other side, and you have to do one or two strokes and flip again, and you were you know you were gone. You yeah. were gone. And so we raced this, and this was Mike's baby, and my memory was me, but maybe your memory is different. But I remember one time, and I'll just say it with you because it doesn't matter. We were going to beat Mike in the 400, four up, four down. Right? Do you remember this? Right? You come in the wall. We were going to beat it. We're going to beat him. You're ahead. You're going to beat Mike. We touched the wall. Guess what Mike did? He did a flip turn. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and he, he did it. He did it just to put that little seed of doubt because he wanted to make sure, hey, I'm, I'm the champion here. I'm, I'm the best one. I don't lose this race. And, it, and so he, just that little seed of doubt is stuff that, that that's what helped him be, be who he was, right? Which is Olympic champion, gold medalist, world swimmer of the year, those little things. And that's where I go back to, you need to know yourself and know, are this the type of swimming that you want to do, right? And that's okay. But understand that, like, I think all those things, like to me, meant a lot to Mike. And, and he, would, he would throw, that's why he called it, that's where the words come from, mental bullets at you to kind of doubt you. And, and, you know, know and, and kind of go, I am the best, right? When, when athletes come to the blocks and they're getting ready to race, right? Michael Phelps, the video, the picture we just saw, like they, 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 they strut out. Another great story. Seth Van Neerden walked out on the pool deck. I think it was 1994. 
did the 100 breaststroke. He walked out. His chest was sticking out. He walked down there. He knew. He knew what he was going to do. Boom, he broke the world record. Or American record, sorry. Then I didn't make the team, but he went to world championships. My good friend Mark went to world championships. Seth didn't swim that well. So I remember I, call, I called Mark. I was talking about I'm like, hey, Mark, how did Seth walk on the pool deck for the finals of that race or, or the prelims? Right? Was he the same way? And the answer was he was not. Sure. Oh, he put on. He was real serious. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's what I look at before the race, right? How do you act? What's your strategy? What's your plan as a swimmer? How are you going to go about doing it? So when Seth had that confidence, you know, he was incredible. He was an incredible breaststroker, right? But then when he went to that world championships, he, he didn't have that same thing. And so to me, I'm like, that's the key. That's one of the key things. Do you believe in yourself, regardless of your environment and what's happening? What do you think about that story of Sergio? I love it. I, and I think one of the things that I always tell the swimmers is like, it, what's most important is try to understand how to express yourself because swimming is an art. Anything that you do like this, but you go to the Olympics and you have 10,000 people in the stands and you have to be able to express yourself. And that's a very important thing. Expressing yourself is forgetting about every condition that everybody else is putting on you, you know, like like the mental bullets, that the press, the, the competition and, and all that. So, So you have to be confident. And the problem that I think is that the, the better you get, the more insecurities you get because you, you, you lose ownership of who you are. And that's that's for another talk that we can have. Okay. But, but I, I, I agree with you with, with all that. Is you need to walk on the pole deck, respecting your competition, I guess, but knowing that you own that place. You know, At the 88 Olympics, you know, my best time in the Hannibal restaurant was 106 before the race. You know, you're competing against guys they have gone... 101, 102. And I knew that I made the, the, the final and nobody expected me to make the final. And I knew that if if I, I had two Russian guys next to me, that they were very fast. And if I play my strategy well and I wasn't nervous, I just stay the course. And at, whenever I had to do the my move, I make my move, I could be, I could be right there. And now because I got a medal, I can tell you that I knew that I was going to win a medal. But I remember, this is, I never told this. I don't know if I mentioned it to you. On the bus from the Olympic Village to the, to the finals, uh, I was sitting on the bus and uh, Mike Berman walked up. And, and when I saw his face and the way his body language, I knew that I could beat him. And he was the favorite to win. Yeah. And, and to me, uh, you know, I lost that at 92 Olympics. I had so much internal pressure that I was not able to, separate myself from things. I'm not saying that I would have beat Mike, but I, I you know, getting fourth, swimming a second point two or second point three slower than your best time, you know, I knew that I could have done a little bit better, maybe get third or second again. And I was the one that I couldn't figure it out. I was so blocked out. And that's a very important thing to learn. You know, Let, let's go, let's go to some comments. Oh, okay. Let's say, look at this, Edson Blanco. Coach, what mental activities that, that will develop mental toughness, not only in comp- competition, but during training as well? You know, as a coach, I think I think the way you express yourself, you know, and the way you portray yourself, you know. I want to believe that when I walk on the pool deck, not every swimmer likes me. You know, I have almost 80 
70 something swimmers, uh, close to 70 swimmers in the college team. Not everybody likes me and uh, it's okay. But when I tell them that we're going to do something and when I tell them that we can accomplish this, I feel that they believe me and they go for it. You know, there's always some people that they're checked out at the door for different reasons and that's okay. But you have to have that confidence that today what I wrote, it's, and then just push them. Some people, you have to back them up. Some people, you can push them more. And that's something that you have to have a gauge. Don't you think? That's what Joseph did. Well, yeah, I would say that's where I learned that from Joseph, right? He would give us these sets, and they were incredibly hard. And I would, my, my body was saying no. My brain was saying no. But it, we're going on the top, right? And we push off. And, and to me, that part of doing it, or the one time I got out of the water and told Rick Curl that my, what my time was, in practice under two minutes and two and a breaststroke from a push. Like again, a long time ago. So maybe people do that. No problem now. But back then for me, it was like, wow, when I was a freshman in NC twice, 159 made finals. Right. So like my, that, that build my confidence of who I was. And after my first year with Joseph, I went to the nationals and I remember I was swimming and I really felt like people are watching me. I didn't swim yet. But I'm like, people are watching me. And it was a real strange feeling to all of a sudden, like, even though I, before I swam surgery, I go, I'm, I've arrived. Like, people know who I am. And it was, and I, I don't think they did, but in my brain, that's where my head was at. I knew. Oh, you knew? <laughs> well, I, that's, and that's where I, when you talk about self-confidence as you, as you rise up, like, I never felt I belonged with you guys. Why? Sergio, every day I got beat in practice all the time by a lot and you remember my first summer i would win like a 25 right and what would joseph say rock rock's the best here rock's the best <laughs> he was trying to play with us i remember the first the first practice or second practice you were in the shower i'm not gonna say crying but about to cry and i remember patting you in the back telling you rock don't worry you're gonna be okay thinking oh he's not coming back you know, and, and, and that was in my mind. And and one of the first practice that we did the 450s, 200 fast and 50 easy eight times, our job, because we were swimming in one lane. Yeah. Like both uh, Mike in the right side, inside the lane, I was in the left side or whatever it was, and you were in the middle, 10 seconds behind. And our job was to hit you. And, and that you cannot tell the swimmers nowadays that I will never do that. But our job was to make everything impossible for you yeah i didn't know, and, that. You know that now now i can say it in public after 30 years or whatever it is and i don't care what other people say but that was our job but you guys right? i remember the times you're going like you can tell me if i'm wrong 207 205 and i was going like 219 yeah. 218 and i and we were in the same lane mm -hmm. like a 25 yard pool at uh what was it uh, that was i don't know it was like germantown that was germantown yeah. I don't remember, but it's just hot. And, yeah. but, and and then a couple of years later, you were breaking two minutes in that set. I think one one of the times I averaged 157s, 158s yeah. for, for the eight two hundreds. You know, yeah. so we were we developed, we kept moving into a, a, such a direction that was unbelievable. And I think, like you said, the, the body language and the way we uh I think sometimes was a little bit too hard, you know, I think, but it, it I think it was very good. Let's go to the uh, to another comment. Uh, let's see. Alfredo Carrillo, thank you for this activity. My question is for both of you. How can we teach 
the athletes to embrace the pressure before the race. You want to go first? Yeah, I, I just think it's, it's visualizing and, 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 again, knowing yourself and what your plan is. How do you want to walk out? What you want to do? And then also, what are the things that could happen to you? Is you what happens if your suit breaks? Your goggles snap? Your cap breaks? you got to have a backup plan for every single thing that can happen, right, along the way. I think that's, that's oh, absolutely. part of it. Like, um, I remember in the 2008 Olympics, I had two high school swimmers, Ariana Van Der Poel Wallace and uh, Ryan Arvejo, that he's here. He wrote something on the chat, and both of them had issues. One had an issue with uh, Ariana with her goggles that broke before the 50, I think it was the 50 freestyle, her pet event, and Ryan, the poor guy with the swimsuit. And I ran all over the pool. I told them not to be nervous, not to calm down. And I ran all over the pool, found a swimsuit, found some goggles, came back on time, and they were able to swim, you know. And, uh, and, and I think that's what comes from the coaches, you know. I can tell you that the 1988 Olympics, the, the coaches in the Spanish team, nobody believed that we were going to do anything. You know, the week before, the week before the, the race, I told them that I was on my own. And on my own, and they're like, wow, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. So I need to be on my own because if not, this is such a toxic environment. I told my coach that you can tell the, the national team director that I'm not coming with you guys. And I was the only one that really swam well, you know. And I spent one week trying to sneak in with the American team or with another team because normally in the Olympics, you have to go from pool to pool, you know. Uh, and But that's interesting. So you knew yourself. Like at, at some point, you got to go, you're learning all these things from, from all the different coaches of your life and, and the swimmers you swim against. And it's like, well, no, this is what I feel that I need. Sure. Right. And then you can go back and reevaluate it for the next competition. But at the Olympics, I'm really, that, that's interesting to know that you did that. Oh, um, I spent a week by myself. And after the race, my coach, that he's an amazing coach. Uh, uh, his name is Jordi Murillo, my Spanish coach, because mm -hmm. I wasn't training with Joseph at that time, uh, came and gave me a, a kind of a hug and told me, Sergio, I don't know how you did this. You know, because, you know, four years or five years before, I, I was not even at nationals. You know, I was not that very good swimmer. And I had to really calm myself down. I watched my competition. I remember Joseph and Mike were on the pool deck with doing medicine balls with Peter Zabo and other staff doing some stuff. And I was just visualizing that I was going to beat them no matter what. Uh, and I just tried to calm myself down. The week before we were in training camps, we were swimming really bad in practice. And now it's, I'm the type of person, like you know, that I, I was able to swim pretty fast in practice. And for me, mentally, that was a, a, a big problem. But most important is the coaches, you know, and, and answering, the question that Alfredo had, how can we teach the athletes to embrace the pressure before the race? I think that the important thing is the athlete needs to know that no matter what, you're going to be behind them. You always need to, need to teach them to, to, be, to give their 100% honest effort in any moment. And after that, you can cry for five minutes, brush it off, and then move on and try to get back, that's life. And that if you're able to tap into that and teach your athletes that, I think they're gonna be able to go to meets with no fear. And no fear, no, we all have fear, but managing their fear is not gonna affect them. Yeah, yeah. I think when you, when, you, when you get in that headspace and all of a sudden you, you start to worry and think about what wrong, what can go wrong, what can go wrong, and what can go bad, what happens if I don't, what happens if, what happens if I don't, 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 right? So to me, that's, it goes back to the training. Like I want to be able to do everything I, I planned on doing and I worked 
real wealth for this moment and I'm ready for it. And that those positive things and, and, and Joseph didn't like it, but I wrote down the workout, right? So I knew what, what I did in my times and I knew I was improving going into the trials. I was improving going into the Olympics and this helped my brain know that I was going to be ready for that moment. Sure. Right. And I was, I was planning on every little thing that we did in the practices. And I think that helped. I, I want to tell a quick story. And then you go to another question with uh, our good friend. I was at the trials and I think 2012 and Sean Mahoney was swimming and he's one of my, you know, dear friends. I love him. I know you coached him and he you know, also swam at Cal and he walked out at the trials in Omaha and it was for the hundred or 200 breaststroke. I forget, but he walked out in his jammer. And I was in the stands and I went like, because, oh. and, and I, I don't, I don't coach him. Right? I don't know, but I just knew like you've been in the back room in the ready room and you were in your jammer the whole time. So I knew that like for him, I, my feeling, right. I could be dead wrong. My feeling like the race was over. He, he wasn't going to do what I so wanted him to do, you know, that his friend, other friend did, you know, Clark Burkle, but, um, do, do you remember that race? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you were coaching him at that point. I, I actually don't know. Don't yeah, I coached him. I coached him at West Virginia. Then when I left West Virginia, he went to Cal. Yeah. And later on, he came to train with me for and for uh, he was with me for a while before the Pan American Games. Uh, I think before or after. And those are the type of things when I see that I'm like, no, right? And I and I like and through the history of swimming, I love to watch people before the race, especially if I get to kind of know them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are important things to grasp. And and what the stupid people are the ones that are not nervous. Everybody's nervous, right? And enjoy that that feeling. And, and you know, uh, Sergio, you know, I didn't make the finals at the Olympic Games. And it oh, was I know. I, there's a picture that I couldn't find. I wouldn't put it because that you and me were looking at the clock. Yeah. No. And, no. and I, you can tell the story, right? Well, yeah. So the story was right. We swam together in the morning. You beat me. Nick Gillingham beat us both. And then it was the last uh, heat. And so we stood in NBC said, Hey, you guys stand here. And so we stood there and, and we sat on the pool deck and watched that last heat. And I knew two people can beat me. Right. Mike was one. And then one other person. And, and then that was it. Right. And, um, and then it flashed up and boom, you were, you were eight and I was ninth by, you know, not very much time at all. Three one hundredths of a second. Three one hundredths of a second, and I was okay with that. But but the thing was, I had to swim at nighttime, and I remember the feeling. It was the first time in my life that the finals, the final A, was before the final B. And so I'm in the ready room, getting ready, and I'm watching the race that I dreamed about my whole life to be on, to be in. And I've two two of my training partners in the race, and I'm cheering for both of you, right? And then it was my turn to go swim. I had, I was flat. Sure. I had no adrenaline, no excitement. And then I knew like that excitement you need to get your body up that much more to be ready to race. And I had nothing that I, I remember going, I, I, I have nothing. It was so strange to me. Very strange. One thing that I like to point out for breaststrokers or whoever is looking uh, here, I don't know how many people are looking, but um, Rock Santos, when he came to train with us, his best time was 223, I think, or 222 long course. Mm -hmm. And he dropped 10 seconds in two and a half years training with us to, to make the Olympic team. He was not anybody in anybody's radar to make the Olympic team. And 
don't take that in a bad way, yeah. Because, but uh, when when we're at trials, I kind of sneak in, you know. Sorry, USA swimming. Uh, I sneaked in. I heard about sneaking in trials. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do that now in Omaha, but I sneaked in on the pool deck, and I was cheering for both of you. But I really want you to make the Olympic team. I think kind of was a given that Mike was going to make it. You know, even though competition is competition. And I remember we were with the Crowberg people and da, da, da. And when you won, I was the only one jumping up and down and screaming. Everybody was so quiet. Yeah. And because you defeated the world record holder, you know, yeah. you were the outside guy. And all these mental bullets and all this mental training that we were giving you, pa-pam, 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 because you can tell the story now that you told me, you know, about what happened at lunch before, yeah. b- before yeah. the race. So to me, um, it's key to know yourself. So I, I knew stories you know, I, I went through things in the practices. So I'm gonna tell you a quick story. And I don't know if you remember, you probably don't even know, but we were, we, we trained at American university and the, and the, and the air sometimes is horrible in there. And I remember being in a practice with Mike and one time he went to me, he goes, ah, you know, is, is your lungs hurt? And, and I remember going, no, no, I'm fine. And then I pushed off and did a couple more laps. Right. And I come back to the wall. And I'm like, Unbelievable, surgery. my lungs were starting to hurt. And then Mike came to me after practice and he goes, man, I hope that what I said to you didn't bother you. <laughs> I know that it did. And I, my lungs were hurting and I couldn't breathe anymore. And so those little suggestions he put in my head, I'm like, oh. oh, no. The first was a stop. Didn't kill you. But the second one was to even make you more insecure. Pat, pat. <laughs> well, yeah, but then I, I'm like, he did that on purpose, right? So that's why words mean something, right? You called my daughter the other day on the phone, right? And you said, Shayla, the first thing you need to know is I believe in you. And I'm, and I'm like, that's so powerful for any kid to hear, right? And so I, I love that. So I'm going to go back now to the story. So I'm at the trials and I'm seated fourth. So I'm in the last heat with Mike Berman, the world record holder, the guy that's supposed to make the team, right? And I'm fourth, right? There's lots of great swimmers that are swimming, right? And, uh, and in fact, in the final, later that night, six of those people were and are Olympians, right? Of the eight people in the finals, right? So, and that kind of happens a lot, especially now because people swim a lot longer, but not so much then. So I'm next to Mike in the morning. I see people, you know, I see the Nelson Diebels, I see the Eric Wunderlichs and Kirk Stackles, and I see how they're swimming and I get up and we're in the final heat. And then I get to the final turn right, of the, of the tuna breaststroke, and I'm next to Mike, and I keep asking myself, can I go? Yes. Do I need to go? No. I'm next to Mike. Relax. It's okay. And I touch the wall. So Mike's favorite place to eat, of course, McDonald's. We go to McDonald's, and Mike, during, after, you know, lunch there, he goes, hey, Rock, so how, how, do, you, how do you think you can do tonight? And I go, I think I can go like a second, second and a half faster. And he looks at me and goes, really? And then I go, yeah. So I was prepared for that with all that stuff to know, like, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not going to lie, but I know I need to know who I am and what I was about. Right. And that, that was very important. So on the last lap of our race, you know, which should be on YouTube, by the way, and it's not, <laughs> I, I'm, I get to the turn and I'm, I scream at myself, very, very powerful tool. I don't know where it came from, but it happened. And I was screaming myself in my head and I recommend people do it in practice to test it. I was screaming now, 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 and my tempo increased, and you know that was my last lap, and I touched him out, and it was a great moment for me. 
But my goal was really not to beat Mike Behrman. My goal was to make the Olympic team, right? And, and then, so I wasn't like, I want to beat him. I'm next to Mike. I want to beat him. My goal is, no, I want to get to the wall. Mike didn't count, right? He doesn't count because two people make it. And he's already won. I just needed to beat, you know, uh, Eric Wunderlich and Nelson Diebel, Kirk Stackel, Ron Carnow. You know, I needed to beat those guys uh, to make our Olympic team. And then I did. And, and, and then a very interesting thing happened to me, Sergio. Again, that's why it should be on YouTube. I've never seen it in the history of swimming. And you know what's going to happen, right? You hug them, you put your hand up, you're screaming, you're in shock. And then all of a sudden, you know, I reach over to Mike because he's the king, right? And what do I do? I, and you can see it. I grab and I, and I kiss him on the arm. Don't do that nowadays, sir. Nobody does that. And I've never, and, and to me, it was like I was saying, I was sorry I beat you because, Sergio, I, I remember one time the embassy people came to do a, a, a video and it was eight sets of four, four 100s, eight sets of four 100s. And they videotaped every single 100, right? And I lost every single 100. I know I did, right? So I knew my place on the pecking order, but I also know my times I did that day were phenomenal. But you guys, and I don't know who won it race because I was third every time. <laughs> you guys were battling it out and there I was thinking going this whatever race they don't want to have this little clip on the TV just before we swim that you know you won or he won or right and so that you guys were just like it was an incredible I don't know if you remember that practice yeah, yeah. it was an incredible moment right like and again like having the cameras there the watching like the intensity moved up again my times were phenomenal for me but I knew where I was. I knew that you guys were better. And that's part of my mentalness. I never got over where I felt like I belonged and I was, I could beat you guys because I didn't beat you in practice. But I do know that on my way up, getting closer to you guys, I would win every once in a while. And I did see my times get better. And so for me, for those swimmers that are, you know, Hey, you're not going to beat Michael Phelps, right? You're not going to beat Sergio and, and, and Mike, but you can get a little bit closer to them. And maybe one time you can beat them on a 25 breaststroke, right? And so all those little things, you know, I, I piled that in my, my bag of, of confidence to help me get there. And I think that's, that's a key thing for people to know, uh, you know, when they, when they train, like just try to win once, do you do a good time now, try to beat that great scrummer, beat them on a turn. If they're great dolphin kickers, beat them on the dolphin kick, right? Just once. And then the next time, maybe just twice. Right. And I think those are the things that, that I really learned on on that. You know, I I, I, I want to tell this story about when I was coaching at Bowls, I wrote a program for four years for the group of guys that I had. And one of the things, the year of the Olympic trials with Ryan Murphy, that was the key thing that we talked is about teaching him how to understand competition. I think it was one of the questions that somebody asked. That's why and I'm going to give this story. I don't think I've given this story in public, but... Um, so we went to Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Grand Prix, and we're walking into the hotel. The hotel that was, I don't think it's anymore, but it used to be right there on campus at the IUPUI. And University place. Yeah. We walk in and uh, we go and check in. And close to the elevators, you have uh, David Marsh with his swimmers. You know, I think it was Nick Thoman and all these guys uh, having a team meeting. And I kind of glance over there and don't ask me how, but I think it was intuition. I told my, I told Ryan. I said, Ryan, um, just listen to what's gonna, what's gonna happen, and watch what's gonna happen now, right? As we go up to the rooms, and um, just, just, just think. 
So we walked by then, by Dave Marsh and, and the group. And Dave, the other years, he wouldn't have done that, even though we have a great relationship. But, you know, it stops us, you know, and talks so nicely and da-da-da and blah-blah-blah. And then uh, talks to Ryan and, and he tells Ryan something to the extent of like, hey, Ryan, be nice to the older guys at this meet. Well, when we're on the elevator going up to our rooms, I told Ryan, I said, did you, did you listen to that? Now you have an advantage over these people. A year ago, or a year and a half ago, they, you were not in the map. Right now, they don't think that you're going to beat them yet or that you can beat them, but they're concerned about what can happen. So at this meet, you need to be relaxed. And you cannot worry about anything because you have, you own your lane and you own who you are. And, we, you know, we, we talk a lot in, in different competitions. That's what we what we did. And answering the question of one of the guests, not the guest, one of the comments, it's like you have to teach body language and you have to teach words, the words, how words matter, you know, what people tell you and they don't tell you. And that's very powerful, you know. And I know I try to do that as much as I can uh, with the athletes. You know, I think uh, when people, when coaches ask me, what should I study? Which book should I read? I said, I don't read swimming books. I would rather listen about behavioral psychology. I would rather listen things or watch things about profiling, how to understand how people move, how people look at you, how people, you know, uh, act, you know. And as a coach, that's a very important tool uh, to have for practice and to teach athletes in your competition. Yeah, I think it's interesting that as uh, knowing yourself is to me that one of the key things, right? So if someone says something to me, like I remember Sergio, I went to, it was after practice. I went to you and I said, Sergio, that was a good practice. Now, before you say anything, I would wrote, write down every practice. I knew exactly what your times were, right? So if you had a good practice, I actually knew that you had a good practice, right? And I said that to you and you looked at me, ah, it wasn't so good because, and I don't know what, how you felt about it, but I know that you could take that and go, oh, that's great. Like I can tell my daughter, like, you're beautiful. And she looks at me like I'm crazy, right? And then, her, then she gets done with the volleyball practice and guess what happens? Her friend goes to her and goes, wow, how do you make your hair look so good? So she got in the car and she was all bouncing. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if someone says your hair is ugly or pretty, you have to know yourself and know how you're gonna react to that, right? And I think that's really key sure. to your success in swimming. And in life, right? To just, you know, no, no, you can't do that. And then does that motivate you? Or no, you can't do that. Like, yes, I can do that. Or I can't do that. And then your body language change. And you're like Mike Berriman was in the bus. Like, you just kind of tell, like, he's not, you know, or he's not Seth Van Neerden when Seth Van Neerden walked on the pool deck, right? He didn't have that aura around them. They, they, the confidence, I think, is really key. And to me, you get that confidence in practice, in training. And I think that that's how you, you can get there. And I also think we as parents, uh, and we put a lot of pressure on our kids by because we feel that uh, our, whatever our kids do in sports or in school or professionally is a reflection of, of us, you know, and it's very hard to deattach ourselves. And sometimes, even though we don't realize it, we really give mental bullets to our kids in a negative yeah. way, you know. Uh, you know, and, and we have to be very careful with that. You know, I think you, you're not a coach, a better coach. If you have kids, 
but I think it had helped me a lot to have a better perspective in life, just to have children, you know, to have Kobe and Harley uh, yeah. have taught me a lot about how to understand behaviors and how to see myself. You know, my mom told me, I think I told you this before, you know, your kids come to this world to teach you about yourself. And I was thinking, what the heck is that? And it's true, you know, and, and, and then I can apply that because, you know, I can see my, a lot of myself in, uh, on, on Harley and, and Kobe and a lot of my wife, Sandy, in, in my kids. So then, you know, you can move around. And if you're honest with yourself, you can help them out. And it's the same thing with your swimmers, you know. Well, yeah, I feel that that self-confidence and it's like, how do, and I, as a parent, right, how do I instill that self-confidence where it's like, no, you do belong. No, you are good enough. No, you can be great. And that could be in school. It could be with a, with your friends. It could be in athletics, right? Because we all have that, that ability to be greater than who we are. And so the people that we surround ourselves with, I think is really important, right? Oh, yeah. my, my daughter played volleyball and she was with Louisa, with her coach. And the way Louisa looked at Shelby, like now Shelby's in, she loves the volleyball. And I really put credit to her one coach that was so inspirational to her. And, 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 you know, we looked back at videos of that time when she played, she goes, I really wasn't that good. I'm like, but at the time you were great. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think those are, those are things that are really important. And when kids pick colleges, right. And who your coach is, who your teammates are, how that bad teammate can affect the, the whole program or lift it up. I think those are really important things to, to have that environment. Yeah. yeah. When I, uh, this, uh, this comment, this, this question, what are the attributes that a swimmer must have if they wish to swim in college? Go ahead. Number one is I want to swim in college and see how good I can be because if somebody else can do it, why can't I? Mm -hmm. Right? College is hard. Right? You swim in the morning. You go to school all day. You swim at night. You have to go and study. Right? When you think of college, right, you think, of, oh, no, they're going to go out every night and party. But if you're going to want to be good in college and you want to swim, whatever level, like that's what's expected of the team and so i think that's the biggest attribute is like that discipline belief in yourself and then you know and i think those are the key things to swimming in college yeah i think i think discipline believing in yourself i think one of the things that you need to have and you need to you can learn that is empower your teammates to be better you know and, and because that's a skill that it's very useful in life you know i always tell uh people uh uh, young kids, young swimmers, that in life, no matter in which situation, you can be a surgeon, you can be a janitor, you can be an engineer, you, you, even a, a mom or dad, what do you do? You have to lead and you have to empower people to be the best that they can be. You know, the best that everyone can be and the success of everybody is very, is really a state of mind. And that's what a lot of people don't talk about that, you know, success. Well, is and, and, and how you encourage your teammates. Like I told the story about or what, what you say to them, get them, get them going, you know, be the first one in, but like, come on, let's do it. Let's all do it together. I also remember being at Cal, like we're doing a set and I'm like, Hey, let's do the last one fly or Hey, let's do the last one. No air. And then guess what? My older brother, Dave, when I was talking to him many, many years later, but not too many years ago, he goes, that's exactly what he would do. And to me, that comes from, playing basketball or playing football where you have a team, like you need to raise everybody up and then the team will be better. And I, and I know you put that into your swimming, your coaching, because I've watched your videos and I read <laughs> your email. Right. And I think that that's a powerful thing, right? You, 
I didn't do this alone, right? I had you, and I'm so thankful for you. You know, Joseph, Mike Berriman, Ernie McGlisco, my coach growing up, North Thornton, my teammates at Cal, all these people affected, you know, my high school football coaches. It, it all affected me, sure. right? And it, it helped me to get to where I am. And hopefully, you know, I look at parents like you and go, I, I want to try to be as good of a parent as that parent. And what can I do or say? You know, how much should I be involved in my kids swimming? I know tons about swimming, right? But I don't go to Ron Hadry and Don Hadry at Arenda or, or Mike Heaney at Aqua Bears or the Shark coaches or like summer rep coaches and go, this is what you should do to my kid. I let oh, it go. But right? look, I, I, I have coaches to coach my daughter and my son, and I watch them really not do a really good job. Yeah. And I walked away. I really walked away just – I couldn't say anything because it's not my job. Like I never, I don't know how to play basketball, but you know, when my kids were playing basketball, I was asked to be one of the coaches. And I told them, I was like, look, because in, in America, we have a lot of people, they volunteer to be coaches like you do, you know? Yeah. To me, I told them, I coach all day long and I just want to watch my kids play. Whatever. I don't, you know, so I had to disconnect myself of trying to understand why that person a basketball coach or a flag football coach or a swim coach was talking and doing things to my my, my children, even though I didn't know basket, yeah. basketball, that was in a negative way, you know? Uh, and it's even more when the coaches maybe are working under you, you know? So yeah. and I, have, I have great coaches, but, you know, as a parent, you think that you, you think a little bit different and you have to walk away, you know? But, but, but it's also like the trials and tribulations for the child, right? Like if they have a good coach or a bad coach, that's okay because they're learning because they're going to have a good boss and a bad boss in their lives. And it's yeah. like, how do you deal with it? What, what's the deal? Uh, Shelby, my daughter, was on a, a volleyball team last year, and I went to the tournament, their little tournament they had, and, and it, was, it was new to the team. And, and, and I remember I was behind this glass, and the girls were sitting there kind of facing me, and the coach was talking. And every girl's body language was like this. And the coach kept talking and I'm like, he's lost them. It wasn't good. He overcoached, right? He tried to just keep talking. And, and to me, it's like, there you are, Shelby. You got to figure it out, right? You, sure. you have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, you know, to me, I like watching the body language, even of teams and coaches, or I like to watch how coaches react to how swimmers do. And those are all coaches all over the country, all different age groups, right? And how the swimmer reacts. Like to me, those are all, very interesting things, and each okay. different, right? Now, uh, we have a question here from, hello, coach. I am from Indonesia. How do you decide to our age group swimmer to start using heavy equipment in gym? Uh, Donnie, uh, this is not the talk. I, 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 you know, I just wanted to let you know, there's a big, very long conversation that we can have. I yeah. think if you're a coach if, or you're a parent, if you're a parent, you need to talk with the coaches. If you're a coach, it all depends with the type of swimmers that you have. I can tell you, we didn't really lift weights with kids at balls until they were 18, seven, uh, their senior year in high school. But that's a talk for another time. But thank you, thank you very much for yeah. for the question. Now, uh, there's a couple of things that you sent me that uh, we need to. What your coach is really saying, it's very important, no? Even if they're not talking to you. You know, yeah. what, what, what that means. So, so to me, what that means is that when I was with you guys and the coach would say something to Mike Berriman, the world record holder, about his stroke, his technique, or what he wanted from Mike, 
I wasn't stupid and just ignored what the coach was saying. Yeah, you went to college, so you have to be kind of smart. Yeah, I yeah, I went yeah. So <laughs> so right. So like to me, when the coach is talking to somebody else, I should be listening and trying to do whatever they're saying because probably I need that help too, right? So that's that constant um learning of, of what other people are doing, you do it. You guys swam a certain way. How we did the four hundred four four strokes up, four strokes down. I would copy that, right? So, so that way I got more information than just waiting for the coach to come and talk to me. Hey, coach, I'm here, right? I would listen to what the coach talked to everybody because they have 30, 40, 20 people in the water. Typically, we were different at that time, right? And so to me, I always want to listen to what the coach is saying because they're really saying. And then you can go back to Joseph where Joseph would get mad and throw a stopwatch and walk out. What was he really saying? He was really saying, I'm pretending to be mad. I'm really not. You guys need a break, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you think that you need a break. I'm gonna let you think that you're mad. So then you come back tomorrow and you have more power, right? You, you remember the time that he threw his notebook, he threw his stopwatches in the water, and he yelled at us and he disappeared from practice. And we went and bought pizza mm -hmm. and we went to his house and we knocked in the door and he's like, ah, and just like ah, come on, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> we walk into his house and we ate pizza. <laughs> you know, but I yeah, I think it's very important that you have to pay attention. You know, growing up, I had a story like you. You know, you were more of a late bloomer than me. But you know, I used to swim breaststroke slower than my freestyle, or faster than my freestyle. I couldn't swim butterfly if it wasn't with breaststroke kick until pretty old. And uh, because I watch, I listen, and I copy things from other athletes. Uh, at one point, I was ranked in the world top 15 in the 200 fly, top 20 in the 100, 200 breaststroke, 200 uh, IM, 400 IM. And that was not a credit. My coaches were very good at teaching me technique, but they didn't, they didn't even believe growing up that they, I could make even the national team. Yeah. And, and, and you have to believe. And you have to listen. Like you said, I watch how my coaches in Spain would tell things to other kids. Imagine this. I only went to nationals one time. And later on, when we were older, we were talking with everybody, uh, all, all our friends from the club. The people my age were very good swimmers. And we were talking about nationals, they were talking about nationals as stories, you know, what we always, and I said, oh yeah, I remember this. And they look at me, it's like, oh, what, you were there? <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, it's very interesting. And I think that's a very good point. You, you, you should always be in a stage of learning or listening. You know, there's some things that the coach is going to say that you can try and maybe they don't work for you, but you can learn so much by copying people and by listening to the coach, to what he said. Yeah, it's not just laps, right? Like, so to me, like swimming was always like, what else can we do? Mm -hmm. right? I remember uh, Mark Henderson, I'd love training with him. We, you know, we play rock, paper, scissors underwater when we warmed up. If I could do backstroke, maybe I'd pull on the lane line, go really fast, get ahead of him, and then try to kick water on his face and then come to the wall and I'd just be busting up, right? All those little things, like I needed to make it fun and, and enjoyable and then also challenging, right? Mm -hmm. when you do those things and you achieve those things, like the confidence comes in. But also when your teammate achieves great things, like that is, there's also that great, great feeling because I've been on a team, right, where, you know, Sean Killian, freshman year, 500 free, is one of the best freestylers in the country, doesn't make top 16. Mm -hmm. And then I have to go race. Sean's my hero. He's a stud. 
And I remember thinking that going, oh, right. So those those things affect you, too. And I've been to NC2A's plenty of time to watch. And then when someone does well, all of a sudden it starts rattling off and everybody's doing well. Right. So that confidence of a team, I think, comes through. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned to me is that about that I, I think it's very important is about knowing yourself, you know, and and knowing yourself is a very important thing that doesn't matter at the level we're talking about the Olympic level and all this, but even at the summit league level, you know, uh, once you start becoming good, I think you lose ownership of who you are because your parents, your peers, your, your neighbors, your grandparents, they want to be part of that success, you know, and then you don't get you don't realize who you are anymore because you don't know if you're doing it for yourself or you you you're doing it because you're having fun with the teammates or because your parents want you to be the fastest guy in the neighborhood, you know? Um, so what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that one thing is at every level, it's, it, for me growing up, you know, even though I, it was the same. If it was a summer, our summer league championship, you know, that's a level. And then each level is the same. And then all of a sudden, more and more people pay attention, right? You could be the neighborhood superstar and win all the races. And then and I did that. And I'd come down to the Bay Area, go to the age group meet Far Westerns. And guess what? I got killed. And then I watched those other people and go, wow, that person's so good. You know, they're Johnny Newsome. They're, they're, they're a couple other names that, that come to mind when I was growing up. You'd hear their names all the time. And this is at a, you know, pretty big age group meet here in California called the Far Western. So, right, all those things happen to you. And then you, you do kind of lose ownership of who you are because I was rock the swimmer. Right. And, and, and it's like there is and my mom always tell you, you know, there is life after swimming. And so I hope that I've used some of those tools I learned from swimming for life. But I also know that, like, you know, who are you doing it for? What's what's really important to you? And that's part of knowing yourself. Sure. Right. And if you don't want to do it for you, it's OK. It is OK. I want my daughter Shelby to be a swimmer. I tell her that all the time. I'm like, but you don't like it. I made her go to the high school practice this year. She goes, I went to practice, Dad. I, I got it halfway through. And I'm like, you don't like it. It's okay. But she has a passion for something else. And we're all in it. And I don't really get the sport. She tells me that we're doing this and I'm the middle. And uh, okay. But it looks good to me, right? And but she loves it. So, like, we're all in. Like, whatever you wanted to, right? And for me, I do live through them. And, mm -hmm. I, and, I, and I hope I don't throw the mental bullets that's bringing them down. But I hope I can encourage them to reach up here and, and go be what you want to be, right? It's, it's about you. My turn is done, right? And our turn is done. So hopefully the best we can do is carry to your swimmers, right? If I was a coach, our swimmers, but then also, you know, our children and then our children's friends, right? That we know and love and we want them to do great things, whatever that is, right? And then we, we appreciate their successes. And when they don't do it, you know, I'm, I'm sad too, right? But but I think you know, I think what's important what you're saying you know like for me to me, one of the things that I do as a coach because I interact with so many people and at the level that I'm coaching, there are a lot more dysfunctionalities. Yeah, they've been carrying on because some people end up coming to college. It's it's, it's become a habit, and um, that's and what they're supposed to do. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and, and because that's the identity you know yeah. even in the club team you see that they go from six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve they think they have to swim in high school and all that i always try to tell the kids and i've always told my children to that 
like for example, in the case of swimming, it's 99% yours. I don't want to say 100%, but just like let's say 99% yours. Your parents, if they're if as dysfunctional as I am, they're gonna love you unconditionally. You know, so there's some parents that maybe they don't love their kids. I don't know, but you love your children unconditionally. So you don't have to do this for them, but you can share 1% with them or you can share a 1% between with your parents and your coaches if you want to give something back to them, but you don't have to because if a coach really, you cannot say that as a coach, you love them unconditionally, but you appreciate them and you care for them, you know? And, 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 and at least for me, I've always tried to tell the kids, you know, just know that whatever you do, you give me your 100% effort, I'm here when you finish the race and I cannot give you a hug now nowadays because of coach's safety, but I'm here for you, you know, or athletes uh, safety or something like that. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a very important thing. Well, I like that. Uh, you know, what I like to see is right to me, one of the key traits is like that desire to win. And when our kids don't win and when mm-hmm. they fail to me, I, I get kind of happy about it in the sense that like, okay, now we'll see how much you really want it. Right. My daughter, Sienna, uh, did the 100 I am against this one girl every every year and, and every year at the county for like two different times, age eight and age 10, the girl touched her out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's awesome. Now, okay, do, how bad do you want it now? What are you willing to do to get that much better? And I, I didn't say that to her, but I just sat back and watched, right? Like, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see if, what you can do, right? And so to me, that's winning or losing is good. But sometimes losing is better because you can see, okay, right? I beat Mike Berman at the trials. Okay, Mike, w- let's see who, what you want. And I think I helped him, right? Oh, yeah. All the way there. Do you want to know why? Because he lost. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he didn't like losing. And it's like, okay. And he made sure he did every little thing right to get there. And so when he won, it was my victory. And I've said that many times. Like, no, it's my gold medal too, right? Because mm-hmm. I helped him get there. And I'm very proud of the gold medal I didn't win, that he won. <laughs> he didn't win. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that you wanted to, you asked me to, and that you thought it would be good to chat about, is that how we interacted at the Olympics, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if you, you know, we, it's, I think it's 7.15. I don't know how much more we want to chat. Um, yeah. Well, I think we can just make it real quick. I know for me. I'm not in a hurry. I'm just like. Yeah. I, I love you, right? So, and, and I didn't want, for me, and I think, for all of us, all three of us, we, we didn't want to affect each other mentally going up to it, good or bad, right? So I know for me personally, I didn't want to, when you see somebody like you, who's my good friend, I love, even at the Olympics, my competition, right? You, because of you, I didn't make the top eight, right? Um, right. So I didn't want to go up to you and go, hey, Sergio, how you doing? Because I didn't want to hear the answer. I didn't want to have you go, I'm doing great or I'm not doing so good because then I'd start messing with my head. So I didn't ask that question. And you guys, if that question was asking me, I didn't want to answer. You know, how'd you do in that set today? I, I don't want to know. I, I didn't. I only wanted to worry, think about me. And so to me, for my Olympic experience, I cared for you. I want you to do well, but I didn't want to know because we were doing the same workouts. We did it different times because I didn't want to be next to you or Mike. And then touch the wall and go, I lost or won, because what would that do to my head? Sure. So that was really, and I don't know how you've done it as a coach since then, or if that was your memory of our experience. But I remember, like, I, I, I just need to focus on me and how good I can do 
and I, I don't want to know that I did the same set of Mike and he beat me by two seconds or I beat him by two seconds or you. Yeah, I think for me, the memory of the 92 Olympics wasn't very good uh, just because the four years before we understand. But my question to you is, I understand, okay, you didn't get the results you want at the rate. No, but what I was going to tell you is that I don't remember much. I, okay. just, I think I blocked so many things out. You know, what I remember is the day before we had a conversation with Mike outside the fence of the pool. And I think, I don't remember what the conversation was, but I think my, my mindset changed, you know, and I became very scared, you know. Um, I remember I was going to retire swimming. I was going to, I was done. I told my wife and I told my mom, this is it. And when I touched the wall, the first thought that came into my head, uh, because I got fourth, that's the worst place you can get in the Olympics uh, if it's your hometown, even though I would give a hand and a leg to be fourth in the Olympics, but you know, with the expectations that you have. Yeah. And uh, I told my mom and my wife that I didn't know how long I was going to uh, keep swimming and, they, and, and why. And the four years that I kept swimming, they were I trained so much, and you know we can go uh, we cannot go into all the details, but I had the, probably the four worst years performing of my life in the 200 breaststroke. I swam pretty well in other events that were not important, but but I had heart problems, or I had kidney problems, or knee problems, and uh, not, that's an excuse not to swim well. But I think it was all mentally, I sabotaged myself. But let, let me ask you the question, going up to the Olympics, did you hurt yourself? Because I know that your license plate in mm -hmm. Catalan, I think it was, said now or never. So were you, and I'm just, you know, I'm your friend, so I'm just asking you that tough question. No, no, I didn't hurt myself because to me, that was it. It's now or never. And and I was going to stop. Uh, and to me, it's not, wasn't about winning, it was about being the best that I could be, you know? And if Mike won with a world record, and you saw me train. And two years before that, I was three tenths behind him or four tenths behind him when he broke the world record that I broke the world record by seven tenths of a second. I could have been right next to him or in front or behind, but not three seconds behind. Yeah, so, I, Sergio, I train with you guys every day. I know your times. You guys yeah. were right there. And that's that's a different story, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what I was going to tell you, I was very lucky to that thought coming to my head because I remember coming out of the Olympic pool and where there was like 14,000 people and 10,000 knew me, you know, because, <laughs> and so everybody's telling you what happened. This was horrible. You didn't look yourself and that, and, and all this is going into you. Like all these mental bullets, it wasn't just one mental bullet. It wasn't like if somebody had a machine gun, it was like, tut, 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 tut. and all those things were going inside and it was very hard. But, so, it, but you, you had enough in your own head of what you were saying to yourself, right? I mean, my guess. Yeah, was, yeah, and, and all that. Hometown, that's where you grew up, and this is where the Olympics are. Right? Sure, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And the Olympics before, we only the whole country, all sports only won four medals. Yes. That was the first medal in my Olymp in the ADA Olympics. So the country was wow, you know, and so I had a lot of pressure. But what I'm trying to say that the four years were such a teaching moment to take me back to when I was 12, 13, 14, that I trained and I, I practiced because I loved it. It made me powerful, made me understand who I was. I wasn't very good, but I kept training, kept training, and I never gave up. And I, I don't think I have qualms of like, and, or I had my ownership and I, know, I knew who I was, you know? And 
And those four years taught me that if I really wanted to be a coach, because I wanted to be a coach, you know, since I was a kid, that I needed to teach the swimmers to cross my path, how to understand the moment in time and not to lose ownership of who they are, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a very important thing that I lost. And then I had to go for four years and, and, and suffer in, a, in an interesting, good way. I'm not complaining. Uh, but I think it has helped me become a better coach. Make sense? Yeah, I would. I, yeah, I think because there's a lot of thinking that goes on mm-hmm. between the practices of, of what, what you want to do and what you want to be. You remember when you were in Colorado Springs training right. mm-hmm. and, and I was in Budapest training. I left my wife. She was in Spain. But I because something happened in my country, I moved from Barcelona to Budapest. And I'm training with Joseph, and he was I was 27 years old. It was so hard. 20, yeah, 26, 27, whatever it was. And and you call me, you know, we talk, and it's like, hey, Sergio, I need to come and train with you guys. And what did I tell you? Oh, I don't remember. What did you tell me? I told you, don't come. This is so hard. This is like there was no like Joseph was not like. Like, and, and probably because I was 27 years old, it, it became so hard. So you came. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. And, and what, you lasted a week or two weeks? Yeah, I think eight practices, eight yeah. days of practice. We went to a training camp and we we're doing the 450s at 200 and a 50 easy. And out of the blue, you come out of the water and went and talked to, Rock, uh, to, to Joseph and left the place. When I came out of practice, I went to the, the, up the room or the apartment, and you were not there anymore. You have, you left. You know, so, so that was like that was mentally very hard. You know, yeah, yeah, because under the right to understand in, in in what ninety five there was no cell phones, there was no computers. Mm-hmm. You couldn't call home. We mm-hmm. were on the other side of the world. The grocery store was it was it was not good. Right, yeah. the TV. There was nothing on TV. You know, there was no Mario Bros to play till two in the morning. Oh, no, no. Hey, I, I was there for many months before you came, and yeah. I stayed there for many months after you left. And the, and I, it's um, right. So to me, like you, you could climb the top of the mountain and then you get to a view, right? And I got to a good view, and, it, and to me, it's like I, I'm good. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I, I know, and I talked to Joseph. You know, he's not happy. Like you should have stuck with me. You could have, you know, done great, right? And and to me, it's like. That's where you got to know yourself and go. No, I'm okay. I, I did what I did. I reached a great height, higher than I ever thought, and I'm happy with that. And I and I hope that swimmers that swim, all of them, whatever level they get to and whatever achievements they have, they get to that peacefulness in their in their swimming to go. You know, I, I'm okay. And, and because you know all the things that we learn, it, it. I have many friends in '88 that. Cal teammates that didn't make the team and they were so sad and oh. part of me just aches for them. You know, mm-hmm. when Eric Wunderlich didn't make the team right next to me in, in 92 and he didn't make the team, it, that hurt me because the good guys are wonderful, awesome athlete. And when he made it in 96, I was really happy for him, right? Because I know how hard he worked. I know what he what he did to get there, right? And and he's he's a great guy, but he also was a great swimmer right and and you want those things for people um and so i'm happy that you had those four other years to really find that peace and 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 be the coach you can be because of you found that peace and 
And I think in swimming, you want to, you want to get to that level. Oh, absolutely. And you want to get to the, like, you, you know, you like what's next, you know, Mike Behrman won the gold medal, broke the world record. Well, what's next. He was at peace. He was done. And he walked away. And I, and I'd want that for every swimmer. Right. And, and it's, um, and when it doesn't happen, it makes me sad. Right. And that, that's all about those expectations and what your swimming, is it for you? Is it for somebody else? And what do you really, really want? And I think that's a hard thing for people to know because they just, they, they've been on the treadmill. Like, okay, I, I'm in high school. I go to college. I, you know, and, and it's like, well, no, what, what do you want? What do you want out of this? How great can you want to be, right? Yeah, I, but I also think, you know, I, I agree with you, but, you know, like my job as a coach is to, I always tell the kids, it's through the process and more in college, uh, 99% of them, trust the process but through the process in college uh 99 percent of them they're going to stop swimming by their senior year and that's yeah. a great thing and i always tell them that it is not how fast you swim you got to trust the process you know but what's important it is uh that you can walk away from the sport with no regrets and with your head up knowing that you gave everything that you could you know when I say you give you 100%, honest 100%, if my if my my 100% to, it's a 10, you know, that's a 10 is my 100%. But today my 100% is a 7 and I can only give a 6. But I I, I gave that. Yeah. That's a great day. I don't know if I make sense. It makes total sense because to me it, it's a, right, it's that looking at yourself in the mirror when you're done and go, did I give my best, right? Sure. Did I try my hardest? And it's not, your coach, your girlfriend, your parents, you know, anybody else talking, it, it's your answer to yourself. Sure. Yeah. And I knew like when I swam against you at the Olympics and you beat me and I didn't make the final, I asked myself that question. And I knew like, no, I, I, that was the best I can do today. And everybody else, right. They were faster today. Four years later, they, they weren't as fast. You know, my best time four years later, cause I looked it up this morning at three o'clock in the morning when I was thinking about this, was would have been second place, I think. I mean, it was pretty good at yeah. the Olympics, right? So, I think it's it's an okay thing to do, right? To to get there and be. Yeah, but hey, I don't know if there's any questions. Let me let me see. Hello, questions. Oh, look, Sonia is here. Oh. She's Sonia Porter. She's yeah. telling us to wash our hands. Good vibes. Uh, and then, uh, oh, uh, Ridwan said that he want he he wants swim camp. Uh, Virginia Tech in Indonesia. Well, hopefully we can do that one day. Um, I'm, I'm ready to go with you. Uh, Don't you love that? We gotta go to Bali and oh, oh we, I saw we, the we can do a train, uh, you know, with with your moon waves. Yeah. Uh, we can organize a clinic somewhere, and, mm -hmm. and uh, we go to Bali. We take our families, or we go to uh, Phuket in Thailand, and we, you know, we we can go and visit the the big Buddha in the big mountain. You know, over That's there. We'll bring Debbie, you bring Sandy, you bring some kids. Oh, it'd be good. The, one other thing I wanted to say is that, you know, when you're done, I'm so proud of the of the guys that I swam with at Cal, right? And, and and this is for a lot of colleges, right? Now, all some of them, you know, this is the level that they swam, you know, whatever, right? But now now that's over. And I look at these guys and their and their their achievements in life, and, you know, their families and their jobs and their careers. And these guys are so, to me, super impressive. Sure. Right? And they may not have been the, the, the NC2A champion, right? These, these guys 
you know, a lot of them weren't. A lot of us don't get the NC2A championship, right? In, in individual, right? But that's, that I think that process that you go through, you know, because mm-hmm. there, there is life after swimming. I think it teaches you so much. So I'm, I'm really happy my kids are doing sports and, and are in it because all these things you learn. You're going to have a good boss. You're going to have a bad boss. You're going to have someone say something to you mean at work, mean at school. And then how do you react to it? How do you know yourself? And so to me, those are the great things that, that I learned from you, right? And, and, the, and the way that you teach things. And so to me, it's I'm just happy to be a part of that whole process. Uh, I think I think uh, we've been very lucky. Uh, I don't want to say privilege. I think we we find our way. Uh, we work very hard, you know. And uh, I think swimming it's a small thing in this huge world. There's so many important things. But swimming, if you're in the sport or you're in uh, any sport or anything that you do, can make you so powerful internally. Yeah, uh, you know, people say when you say, "Oh, I'm so powerful," things that you you know. They don't like that, but you have to feel powerful internally to to be successful internally yeah. to be the best that you can be. And I think, you know, and one of the things that we always talk about it, uh, the most important things that we have are the memories that we share. You know, and you remember I took you nine times to Spain. Yeah, and in a matter of three years, we went there and we went to the clinics, and then we we, we kind of did some sightseeing. And we had our fun uh, that we cannot say online. Uh, but uh, those are the things that we talk the most, you know, and that's what makes us strong as people, you know. Yeah. And adults, you know, and so, yeah, I think that's a very important thing. Yeah, Sergio, I was in your wedding, right? I, and you were in my wedding. Like, these are, you know, what a yeah. great you know, friendship. And I'm thankful for you and thankful for our continuing friendship. And, and you know, maybe in, in another 30 years, we'll do another one and we'll all look different. Right, like three sets of pictures. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. So here, this one of the last comments. Okay. It's great experience to make me better as a coach. Thanks for sharing. You know, so I think uh, I, you know I, I would love to keep talking with you. Yeah, you know? that was my goal too. You know, how can we help other yeah. swimmers and, and that mental training and, and learning about your brain and how you, you can react to different things and how you can help other swimmers. I think that's that, that's key to today. And, you know, I don't I don't know if you want to give a message to the coaches and the swimmers or the parents. Your last message here. Uh, what would you tell them? I don't know. I, I just you know, for me, I'm just uh, I'm happy to be a part of the whole swimming community, and it is a family. You know, you have people from Indonesia on this call, and uh, so I think that that's and, and we're all connected, right? When I it was a weird thing when I went to the Olympics in 2008 as a, I working for Blue 70. It was just interesting that uh, we had all these coaches and people that I knew, and we were all connected, mm-hmm. right? I saw you at opening ceremonies. I don't even know what country you're you're representing, right? And that was a very funny story. Yeah, that when you walked out and I was in the first row and I'm cheering yeah, for and you. I'm dancing on one side because I told them I'm gonna get out of the line, and I was dancing. And I hear Sergio, Sergio, and I turn around. You're there over there, <laughs> like ah. So, you know, and then you just realize it, it, it's a big world. But in the swimming community, we all kind of know each other, and you know, and and I think that that's that's the great part about it. And in that one race, it doesn't make your career. The you know the one mistake you made or the one great thing you did doesn't define you. But it's all the little things that you that build up over your lifetime, and that, you know, your lifetime in swimming could be short, or but it's your lifetime that you learn. And 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 I'm just so again appreciative to 
be your friend, be on your first uh, uh, YouTube video here. I'm a, you know, my grandchildren are going to listen to this, right? Because they're going to be, I hope, right? And and they'll go, oh yeah, that's your dead great grandfather, right? And and um, so hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I'm going to piggyback with what you said uh, a lot. Um, I think what defines you in life is how you react to things and how you learn and take those moments as learning moments or teaching moments and and how you can utilize those to make yourself better or to help others be better and that would be my advice uh like very similar to yours to to everybody in the audience uh, and learn about body language mental training mental bullets if you want to call them something different try to understand who you are like you like rock said it's very important listen to your coaches if they're not talking to you they're talking to somebody else just listen there's something that you can learn watch your competition you can learn from them so much and then you know visualize close your eyes and visualize that you are there and never stop dreaming no you agree yeah never stop dreaming what's next there's something next yeah and, and don't be too hard on yourself. You know, you, you're going to make mistakes. Admit that you make mistakes. You didn't do it right. You didn't do it good enough. And then now it's like, now you have a chance. What, what, how can you improve that? What can you do to, to get a little bit better? How can you help that other person get there? Right. And I think those are key things. Well, awesome, man. Um, right, thank you. I really thank you for helping me with this live show. And, uh, uh, you know, yeah, we'll keep in touch like we always do. You always okay. call me, and yeah, I'll call you me. always call me more than I call you. And I feel bad about it. And you know, I know, guys, I'll tell you this if something is wrong in my life, he calls me every day. If I'm, and you know, it's something that they that's the friendship that we we had. You know, I, I'm not as consistent as he is, but he will call me every day. And talk to me every day and worry about my wife and my children so that's what i got that's the gold medal of what we did you know and and i thank you for that my friend that's very kind thank you let's go to bali okay whoa <laughs> okay bye bye to everybody thanks for bye, everybody. thanks for coming on yeah and Hey, don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> and if you watch the video later on, just leave us a comment. If you made it this far, you better subscribe. <laughs> All right, take it easy. All right, thank you. How are you?